Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's uh, super to be with you this morning. Uh, I just got to say, it is a joy any Sunday, Lord's Day, that we get to come together and worship together and open God's Word together. Uh, But there are some Sundays that I am personally, I would say, extra excited. I would almost even use the word giddy about being here together, but I don't really like the word giddy. But I'm just overjoyed to be here for for a couple reasons this morning. Uh, One is I get to say, take your Bibles and open up to the jewel of the book of 2 Peter. Would you just go ahead and do that? Go ahead and open up to 2 Peter. We, We get to start a great study through 2 Peter today, and I'm thrilled to be able to do that. Uh, The other reason, personally, I'm really excited is uh, really the season in the life of our church. Uh, As we come into August, we come into this new semester, if you will, you're going to hear a whole lot about new things, new opportunities that you have to engage, to grow, to be challenged, to be equipped in the life of our church. Thrilled about where we are and where we're going over the next few weeks as a church. Uh, So here's my goal this morning, all right? First... Uh, I want to introduce you and us to this letter of 2 Peter. We're going to be in this thing for several months together. I encourage you to be reading, studying through 2 Peter on your own, with your family, with your groups. And then secondly, in just a few minutes, I'm going to preach a little bit less today, I promise. And then we're going to have something called an elder conversation. You guys have been around, you know what those are. Uh, but you're going to hear from your pastors and your elders about the next few weeks, months in the life of our church. So really excited about this morning. All right, 2 Peter. Go ahead and find your place there. Uh, My goal is I want to try to frame this letter so that you get the big picture of what's going on in 2 Peter as we begin to study this thing. Now, what I want to try to do is I want to give you Peter's main intent of writing this letter. Peter, what are you up to? What's your main purpose in writing this letter? And that's going to kind of guide us for the next two or three months together. And let me try to capture it this way. Uh, we have five kids. Most of you guys know that if you know us. Three of those children are of driving age. Now, I don't know how it plays out in your home, but in my home, dad is the driving instructor. So what that means is dad gets the privilege of sitting in the passenger seat instructing the 15-year-olds from a very helpless position, right, of how to drive a car. And all you parents who have been there, you're starting to sweat right now just thinking about it. Some of you know that's coming in just a few days a week. I think most of my children, and maybe you can ask them, would say dad remained pretty calm in the passenger seat as he was teaching us how to drive. Unless you asked Olivia. <laughs> Olivia, that's right. Olivia's my 17-year-old daughter, and she would probably tell you, Dad did great, he was calm, except that one day. I'm not going to go into great details, I'm just going to tell you really quick, because this really does apply to Second Peter, where we're going. We're traveling from Kingsport, we're coming to Johnson City, we're on I-26, you know all the turns in I-26, it's complicated at times. I'm in the passenger seat, Olivia's driving, she's just started to learn how to drive with her permit, and it starts to pour the rain. You you know how it just comes on really quick. I'm in the passenger seat, I'm looking ahead, I see the bend in the road, the rain is coming down, and I see way ahead the brake lights start to come on. 
Now, we've always taught our kids, hey, part of driving is not just looking 20 feet ahead of you. You've got to look down the road and anticipate what's coming. Well, I saw what's coming. So I know in just like five seconds from now, the brake lights in front of you, we're following a semi, by the way. We're looking at a tractor trailer in the back. I know that those brake lights are coming on. We're going to have to stop quick. And I, in my calm, fatherly voice, said, Olivia, you need to slow down. Olivia didn't slow down. <laughs> so I'm certain in that moment with great passion and zeal and probably a whole lot of volume, within a two-second, you got two seconds, I, I said, Olivia, <laughs> slow down. Two things happened. Number one, Olivia slowed down. Accident avoided. We're here today because I think dad spoke pretty quick. Second thing that happened, Olivia didn't speak a word to me the rest of the way home. <laughs> and to be honest, you can ask our family, I'm not so sure she spoke to me the rest of that day. We don't scream a lot in our home. She was a little unsettled by what I said. Here's what I want you to hear. I knew what was coming. I saw what was down the road, and I dearly loved my daughter, and with great passion, maybe I didn't handle it like I should have, I cried out and I said, watch out, take care, trouble's coming, you can't see it, but I can see it. So Peter is writing a letter to a group of beloved saints he sees what's coming, and he cries to them with great passion and zeal and says, Beloved, take care. You can't see what's coming, but I do. Now, let's see if we can figure out what it is that Peter's warning these believers about then and us. I want to read you some of this letter, then we're going to go through very simply and just do an overview of this letter, and then we're going to go into a time of response. But look with me, I want to read some of this great letter to you. So you can just listen, beginning in verse 1, chapter 1. And remember, by the way, in those days when those letters were received, someone stood over the church and read the letter that had been delivered. So you're just going to listen to this letter read over you. I'm not going to read all of it, just portions of it. Verse 1, Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I'm just going to pray we begin to get our mind around verse 3 because joy will overflow from our hearts as believers if we grasp verse 3. Through the knowledge of Him who called us into His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, that through them... You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of lust or sinful desire. Chapter 2, verse 1, quickly. So what's going on? Chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says, But false prophets 
also arose among the people. Listen. Just as there will be false teachers among you. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Even denying the master who bought them. Bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Chapter 3. Verse 1, Peter says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. We spent five months in his first letter in the spring. In both of them, I am stirring you up by a sincere mind, by way of reminder. I want to remind you of some things. Look down to verse 17, here's his point. You, therefore... Beloved, knowing this beforehand, you don't see what's down the road, but I do, Peter says. Knowing this beforehand, take care, watch out, be on your guard, that you are not carried away with the error of lawless men, lawless people, and you lose your own stability. But, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the, to the day of eternity. Amen. It's the word of the Lord. Now we're going to spend the next several months walking through that letter. And I hope you heard the drumbeat of Peter in the background. Take care. You don't know what's coming, Peter says, but I do. And what I want to try to do very quickly this morning is frame this letter out for you so that as you begin to read, begin to study, as we begin to walk through this book, you'll understand the big picture of 2 Peter. Now, you know this. We've said this over and over. I hope you know this. But anytime we study a book of the Bible a passage of the Bible, a verse of the Bible, it's important. There's a couple questions we want to ask. Now, there's a question that's a very dangerous question to ask when you're talking about a book of the Bible or a a section of the Bible. And I think some of us fall into that sometimes. Here's the right question to ask. What is God saying? What is God saying today through what he has already spoken in his inspired word delivered unto us. What's God saying? Through what he's already spoken. So Lord, help us rightly interpret it, understand what the author meant, what was the intent when it was written. So we study who was the author, we study what was the context, what was the setting, how does this letter play out in the whole New Testament, how does this letter play out in the whole of the Bible, because no one verse can stand on its own and and expect us to rightly interpret it. We have to understand the Bible in the whole of Scripture, all the Bible. So that's a good question to ask. Here's a dangerous, unhealthy question to ask. Ready? If you're reading a section, reading a verse, and you say, okay, what does that verse mean to me? As if the final authority is in the way you read it or you understand it or you interpret it. No, we want to do the hard work of saying, what does it mean? 
What did God intend? How did the Spirit inspire it? So for us, we want to ask some key questions. Let me ask these really quick as we go through. Number one, who is the author? It's really important to know who wrote this letter. We know this. We've talked about this. Back to verse 1. Simon or Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained a faith equal to ours. This is Peter. This is Simon Peter. He uses a Hebrew name traced all the way back to the, to the tribe of Simeon. Peter's a Jew. Peter's an apostle of Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He was the leader of the original 12 disciples. You know Peter. He's the foot and mouth apostle, right? Always, his mouth got ahead of him so much. But we know more in the Bible about Peter in the New Testament second only to Jesus. God used mightily Peter. And you see Peter's growth and his maturing as a leader and as a disciple, even from as he wrote 1 Peter, now to 2 Peter. So Peter is the author. He identifies himself as an apostle. Verse 1, that's one sent out, one as an ambassador of the Lord. He was not only an apostle, he was an apostle of Jesus. But I love this. Before he identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus, he identifies himself as a what? A servant. Servant. This word servant means slave, bond servant. He's saying before I'm one sent out, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Christ. I'm not my own. I belong to him. That's you and me. We're called out, set apart, commissioned representatives of Jesus. But before I'm that, I'm a servant of Christ. Jesus owns me. I belong to him. Amen. So Peter is the author of this letter. Who are the recipients? Quickly, verse 1, we just read it. He says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now we know he's writing to the same or almost the same group that he wrote to in 1 Peter. So if you remember months ago, we said he's always writing to these elect exiles. These scattered believers all around the Roman world, they were elect exiles. Those who were staying for a while in a foreign place. Those who had been called out of the world by the grace of God, watch, but very much left in the world. That's you and me. He's writing to these elect exiles. He says, those who have obtained a faith equal to ours. This is huge, really quick. Peter says, believers have shared, we share in a common faith. You, if you're a disciple in some obscure town somewhere in the kingdom, and me, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, we share a common faith. When he says a faith common to ours, there's some conjecture about this but he's most likely talking about the apostles he says you share a common faith with us meaning there's no levels of importance in the church there's no privileges to some who are not given to others there's no caste system in the church all believers share equal standing before God in Christ we share a common faith in Christ how is that he goes on and he says, because this faith has been received, he says, not earned. So you didn't earn anything. 
If you're a follower of Christ, you're in Christ by faith, through grace alone. You didn't earn anything. It was received as a gift of God. And it was based on the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So things are level at the foot of the cross because of the grace of God. You stand in Christ because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? So those are the recipients of his letter. We'll talk more about that now, quickly. Peter, what's your heart behind this? Peter, what is your main driving impetus, if you will, inspired by the Spirit, that you would pen this letter and get this letter out to these elect exiles? Chapter 2, verse 1. We looked at it. Let's read it again. Peter says in the middle of the letter, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Alert! Wake up! Peter says, you don't see what's coming, but I do. You don't see the threat that's around the corner, but I do. And he says, just as false prophets arose, past tense, verb tenses matter, past tense among the people, he's referring back to the nation of Israel and all the stories that you have throughout the Old Testament of how false prophets came and led God's people astray. He says, in the same way that these false prophets came among the people, he says, now future tense, just as there will be, False teachers among you. Red alert. Red alert. Who, chapter 2, verse 1, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies or lies. And we could talk about it. This is just an overview. But he says they're among you. They're going to be among you. They're going to appear to be Christian. They're going to say a lot of the same things you say. They're going to wear a lot of the t-shirts you wear. But they're secretly introducing slight twists and turns in the truth. Be aware. They'll secretly bring in destructive heresies. Even denying the master who bought them. Bringing upon them swift, or bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Swift destruction. Listen, you got to read this and you got to hear the passion of Peter. Red alert. Red alert. You don't know what's coming, but I know what's coming. In fact, if you compare it to 1 Peter that we spent six months with, Peter never speaks with the same intensity and passion or in the same way to say, hey, suffering's coming. Opposition's coming, yes, all of that was coming, but he didn't look at it in the same way. He says, you want to know what's going to be to your destruction and you better be on the red alert? Is those that would begin to just subtly begin to twist to the truth of the word of God to their own destruction and lead you astray. Red alert. Same then, same now. And by the way, You hear in Peter here the passion of the voices that are going to be speaking into the ears of those believers he loves. Same problems then, same challenges now. Watch this. Back then, they didn't even have the internet. Meaning the number of voices 
the number of distortions of the truth that we are continually surrounded around in the same way. we got to read this letter and go, same now, maybe even with more intensity now, let's be on the alert. Peter goes on, he says, here's the outcome, verse 2, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, meaning... How much damage is done to the message of Christ by those who say they're Christians but follow something, a distortion, a twisted version, and call it Christianity? That's what was going on then. Verse 3, and in their greed they'll exploit you with their false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. So Peter lays this out. He says, you don't know what's on the road ahead of you. I see what's coming down the road. Red alert. Be on on guard. Be aware. And then he comes back to chapter 3. And okay, here's Peter's appeal. Here's his appeal to them. Here's his appeal to us. Let's read it. Chapter 3, verse 17. We'll wrap up with this. He says, You therefore, beloved... Peter uses the word beloved throughout this letter. You just hear the passion of a, as an apostle, as a pastor, as a fellow believer. He says, you beloved, knowing this beforehand, and here's your word if you want to circle in your Bible, take care. Verse 17, take care. You could translate it, stay alert, watch out, practice discernment, open your eyes. Understand the many voices around you that is subtly, slightly twisting the truth. He says, take care. Why, Peter? So that you are not carried away. The word carried away is a vivid word picture. Here's a word picture for you. We have rivers around here. We have creeks. We have things when they're full of water. It's the idea, watch this. I can just dip my toe in that creek and I'm safe. But before long, you say, you know what? I'm just going to stand in it. Before long, it's up to my knees. And before long, the thing swept you away. Carried you away. Peter says, be careful By dabbling in these things that you think are not a threat to you before long, they will carry you away. Be careful who you befriend that's just slightly turning and twisting the truth before long. Their false message will begin to carry you away. Peter speaks with great passion. Take care. Lest you be carried away with the error of lawless people and you lose your own stability. You'll be shaken. You'll lose your stability. You'll lose your firmness. Falsehood, almost truth, nearly truth, in its many forms and its many degrees, can never bring stability, strength, or maturing, only instability. And you'll be, and I'll be, tossed to and fro by the next thing that comes down the pike. Peter says, take care. Be on your guard. And then just to wrap this up, he says, okay, here's your defense. Here's your defense against this falsehood. Look at verse 18. So how do you defend against this falsehood? I love this verse 18. So Peter comes back and he says, but grow. Grow. Peter says, here's what's coming. Here's the threat. Here's your defense. Grow. Mature. Develop. Deepen. Grow as a disciple. Just what we're talking about here over the next few months as a church. How can we grow as disciples and grow as disciple makers? Peter says grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. It's the defense. To him be the glory both now and for the days of eternity. So throughout this letter here's what Peter's going to do. He's going to help us grow. 
as we read and study and pray through this book over the next few months, he's going to, like, like stakes driven down into the ground, he's going to nail stakes. And there's at least four major truths that he's going to help us deepen in our understanding. Now, quickly, just go over these. In chapter 1, we're going to see the absolute sufficiency of Christ. He says it, chapter 1, verse 2, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. When those false teachers come along and they tell you, here's what you need to really be strong. Here's the next great thing coming down the pike. Here's what you're lacking. Peter's going to say, whoa, stop and look to Jesus. He has granted you everything pertaining to life and godliness. Let's grow in that. Peter then comes back. He's going to say this in chapter 1. We'll be here in a few weeks. He's going to talk about the nature of sanctification, how we grow, how we progress in Christ's likeness. And he says, verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort, be diligent to supplement your faith. And then he goes through this list of virtues and characteristics. It's the person of Christ. He said, here's how you grow. Here's what it looks like to grow in Christ's likeness. Pray that for us. Pray that for you. Pray that for me. In chapter 1, he's going to hold out the priority of Scripture. He says, verse 20, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes through someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The priority place of the Word of God in our lives. Let's grow in that. Let's grow as a church in that. And then finally he gets to chapter 3 very quick and he holds out the certainty, the absolute certainty of the return of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 3, quickly. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with their scoffing. They'll follow their own sinful desires and they'll say, where's the promise of his coming? You're not still holding to the second coming of Christ. He's going to make everything right. You're not still putting your hope in that, are you? And he comes back, verse 10, he says, But in the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the light. Verse 13, But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So as we get our minds around this letter and around this book. I'm going to ask the team just to come on up and begin to play. We're going to move into a time of response and then our elder conversation. Here is my prayer, your elder's prayer for us, for you as a church. Lord, by your grace over the next few weeks and months as we bury ourselves in this letter, may we be on guard. May we, with red alert, realize we are overwhelmed constantly with voices that sound so close to the truth. Lord, give us that discernment so that we will not be shaken. So that the name of Christ will not be distorted. And our prayer is simply verse 18 again, and I'll just read it and pray it over us. That we as followers of Jesus, we as his church, his family... And I encourage you to be praying this. You'll be praying this for yourself, your church, your family. That we would grow. That we would be maturing. That we would be deepening in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we would behold Him. 
that we would be like him, that we would be overwhelmed again with the person of Christ. And the next thing that comes along and says, here's what you really need. Here's the, here's the fix. Here's the secret. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. So let me pray for you. And we're going to sing a song of response and then move into our time of elder conversation. You bow your heads with me this morning. Lord, thank you for the letter of 2 Peter. Uh, just as we sang earlier, Lord, to bury your word deep in our hearts. Show us Christ. I pray we'll grow in the likeness of Jesus. We will grow to be more like you. Pray we'll grow to live on mission and make you known. And God, I thank you that we get to do that together as a family of faith, spurring one another on in love. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.